You like to receive some unsolicited advice. It's advice I used to give to my students. I said at the end of every chapter and at the end of every lecture, you have to ask two important questions. Namely, so what and who cares? Or to state it more succinctly by that renowned political philosopher, what difference does it make? It's a good question to ask on the solemnity of the Holy Trinity when we're all concerned about very practical things like the price of gasoline and the price of food and people looking for work and war in Ukraine and fentanyl in the streets and the apparent collapse of the rule of law, at least in some places. And here comes Holy Mother Church with a solemnity about the Holy Trinity. What practical thing can you say about the Holy Trinity? If you go to the Catholic Encyclopedia and look up Trinity, you're at the third level of abstraction by the second paragraph. You're talking about spirations and processions and natures and persons. And you would have to cry out, but what difference does it make? What does it matter? And the answer, it matters a very great deal. It means everything. It makes all the difference in the world. It makes all the difference in creation. It makes all the difference in time and eternity. Because the doctrine of the Holy Trinity is true. Let's try to think about this a little bit. And then I've got some practical homework for you at the end. We worship a God whom we name as Father, Son, and Spirit. Let's start with Father. Now, human beings have a tendency to get nearly everything wrong about God on their own. Nearly. Which is why we need revelation. So when we talk about God as Father, people say, oh yeah, we look around and say, oh, fathers do this, they're like that. That must be God times a hundred. That's exactly wrong. It's recognizing God as Father that we're able to say true things about human fathers who are just small and imperfect imitations of the fatherhood of God. Now, to be a father is to take the initiative in creative life. And our fatherly God made you and me in his image and likeness. Now, we're familiar with that statement. At least it's familiar to our ears. I wonder, though, I want to ask for a show of hands, if we've ever spent much time with it in our mind and heart to ask what it means. What does it mean to say that our fatherly God made you and me in his image and likeness? What does it mean for us to be made by and like our fatherly God? The Father is the origin of all creation, and so creation was changed was made significantly different. There was a new chapter in creation the moment you were conceived. Why? Because God cherishes you in a way in which no one else has ever been cherished. And that's not merely a sentimental statement. It's a great truth. John Paul said God created you as a particular image and likeness of who He is. That means you reflect God in a way that no one else does. 
And the same is true for me. You are an unrepeatable and unique reflection of the abundant life and love of our fatherly God. And that means you can bring a reflection of His glory that no one else can. And this symphony of praise and thanksgiving that creation is meant to offer God, no one can sing the note that only you can sing. And creation falls short of what God intended if you do not make your unique yes in response to God's creative image. By God's work, you have the potential to be a unique saint, an unparalleled saint, holy in the way that only you can be holy. And what a tragedy then, if you do not become a flame with that unique sanctity that only you can offer God. Consider this. St. Alphonsus Liguori said that one of the greatest pains of purgatory will be seeing what we could have been for God if we had accepted his gifts. Think of your worst regret and multiply it infinitely. The regret of purgatory is worse than that. Please, God, let us not suffer that pain. And Pope Benedict said, we're not the result of chance. Each of us is the result of the thought of God. Each of us is willed. He's teaching that God loved you before you were conceived. He loved you so much, he did not want a creation without you. So he made you. And now we can see what an act of vandalism, of theft, of ingratitude is just one abortion. It's the murder of a saint, at least a potential saint. God made you in love. He made you for love. And that means that each of us and all of us are woven into a divinely intended culture of life. And we can see how wide and grand a statement that is by asking ourselves this question question made famous by St. Anselm, why did God become man? Now, if you spend any time in Sunday school, you could say, oh, oh, I know this one, pick me, this is an easy one. God became man in order to die for our sins. Yes, that's completely true, but that's not the whole story. We have to find out what is the rest of the story. Why did God become man? And to answer that, we have to think about the Annunciation And we have to think about the ascension of our Lord. In the Annunciation, God descends from heaven into human life. St. Augustine said, Our Lady is the ladder by which God descends heaven and enters earth. And then, at the ascension, human life is raised up to God. Human life, human flesh is brought up into divinity. So why are these two motions, the descending and the ascending, so important? We turn to St. Irenaeus. He said, you are meant to become as divine by grace as Christ is by nature. Let me say that again. You are meant to become as divine by grace as Christ is by nature. The divine Son, the second person of the Holy Trinity, became man to die for our sins, yes. He became man to save our souls, yes. And he also became man 
to dignify and divinize human flesh, to make human flesh unimaginably sacred and beautiful. So we have to say again, what an act of vandalism, an act of theft and ingratitude and even sacrilege is not only abortion, but also we have to say the same about pornography, about promiscuity, about contraception, about murder, about sins against nature covered over by a rainbow. All grotesque violations of the sanctity of our human body. And consider that God's love for you is so passionate, so persistent, so stubborn that he'd rather die for you than live without you. He'd rather go through hell for you than go to heaven without you. He didn't want an eternity without you, so he chose to save you at a terrible cost to himself. He died for you so that you might live with him. And he wishes you to live with him, to be in his presence in soul and in body. In other words, as fully human. This moment, I think of the famous Far Side cartoon. Professor is giving a lecture, and a student says, Excuse me, Professor, my brain is full. And maybe that's where you are right now. But we, have, we have, can't finish the story. We've only talked about father and son. The story is incomplete without the Holy Spirit. See, love calls for a response. And the response to love is the Holy Spirit. We would not be able to love Jesus in return if he had not sent us his Holy Spirit. St. John Yude says the Holy Spirit was sent to us so that we can live as continuations of the mysteries of Jesus Christ in the world. What does that mean for us? Well, for me as a sinner, and as a sinner, I have made a mess of my life. And the Holy Spirit proved that God wants to do something good even through a screw-up sinner like me. He can make something good and beautiful and worthwhile and even Christ-like out of the mess I made of my life. It's true for me, and it's true for you. So today, we have to insist the solemnity of the Holy Trinity is a gift A life-affirming, life-changing gift because it reminds us that we are created in love. It reminds us that we are redeemed in precious blood. And it reminds us that we are summoned to glory. And nothing and no one can change or erase or diminish these truths. We who have received the revelation of the triune God must bring that great light to a world still Tangled in darkness. People need to know what we believe. And they need to see us live what we believe. What we say, how we love, and how we worship, above all, can help spread the healing and liberating light of Christ to our world. So now I want to come back to those questions I raised at the beginning. So what? Who cares? What difference does it make? It makes a difference if you live it. So I'm going to ask you to pray today, the day of Sabbath rest, not get ready for Monday day, and for every day of this week for three graces, 
for three special blessings. First, pray to be convinced. Convinced that each one of us is made uniquely in the image and likeness of our triune God. And second, pray to be compassionate, loving our neighbor for the sake of our triune God. And third, pray to be courageous in this very messed up and broken world. Recalling that St. Paul said, hope does not disappoint. So if we do that, if we live and pray as convinced, as compassionate and courageous, and there will be a quiz, not only in this life, but in eternity. Did you live and pray as convinced, compassionate and courageous? Then we can lead the world to cry out with St. Paul, the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. May God's holy name be praised now and forever.